1: Everyone, welcome to Roundball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Thursday. Nope, it is Friday, March 12th, and today we'll be looking at some fantasy hoops storylines to watch during the second half of the season. We will also be looking ahead to March Madness with Von Dalzell and Corey Parson from NBC Sports Edge stopping by to preview the tournament for us. Looking forward to that and much more, all coming up in just a minute.
2: Life is a highway,
0: and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
2: of a detour.
1: Right now I'm joined by Steve Alexander, taking a very timely sip from his glass of lemonade. We think that Ryan Knauss is going to be here in a minute, we don't know, but Ryan may be popping in here in a second. Steve, for starters, how are you?
4: I am doing well. How are you?
1: Oh, thank you for asking. I'm just fine. I, I had a moment on Wednesday night when... like, I, So I, I was hosting a live MLB draft show on Wednesday night, and some basketball games came on. There were NBA games on Wednesday night. And I had a moment of like, wow, it feels like it has been six weeks since we had an NBA game. Have you had that same feeling?
4: Uh, Yes. And it's, it's weird because normally the All-Star break comes, and we all take a break, and then I feel... Rejuvenated, I'm like ready to get back out there. I can't wait to set my, you know, Fanduel lineup and figure out what's going on. And I don't know what's going on, man. I just I sent a note to my group that I play with, and I was like, I'm not feeling it today. Somebody else send the game out. I'm not doing it. Wow. Yeah, it's weird. I'm I'm not like down on the NBA. Maybe maybe it's because Thursday nights are usually usually pretty chill, and I know. That today is Friday, but we taped this maybe on Thursday, and Thursday yes. night there's eleven games, and and that's going to be a that's going to be a stressful
1: yeah stressful a jarring, load of games a jarring NBA Thursday. But a lot to talk about. As I said, we're going to talk March Madness here coming up soon. But first, we are going to talk a few fantasy hoops storylines to watch in the second half. Steve, I'll kick this one off. A big storyline I'm watching would be the performance of Trey Young, who. I've noticed, I went through and combed back through his performances year by year in the league, and he has had some big second halves. His rookie year, his final 34 games, he was around 25 points, 9 assists. Second year, that would be last year. Over the last couple of months before the season shut down, he was averaging 31 points and 10 dimes. Those numbers were up from his numbers over the first part of the season. This year, the numbers are slightly down, especially the scoring average. He's at 26.5 points a game, obviously on a slightly better team. But I'm thinking with some combination of a new coach, his track record of second half success, I think I like Trey's odds of busting out a little bit in the second half. He's been 43rd overall in nine category leagues. I still see top 20 in his future uh, for the second half. What are your thoughts on that?
4: You know, first of all, it's funny that we did not discuss what we were going to discuss beforehand. So the fact that the things we are talking about are right up our, our alleys is funny to me. This has been a weird season for Trey Young. Expectations were so high. All those new guys coming in as free agents and and landing in Atlanta, Clint Capella, John Collins, you know, going to have a breakout year. And everything felt so uh, warm and fuzzy heading into the season. then, like, right away in in the first few weeks, Collins and Trey had whatever they had, and then Trey just sort of Seemingly checked out for a few games that got a little weird. Mm -hmm. And now we're to the point where he's put up numbers better than really any other player in NBA history who did not make an all-star team. So uh, how is that sitting weighing on his mind while he's sitting at home? How is he feeling about that? I mean, I think guys that stuff like that happens to either, suck it up and try to prove everybody wrong and try to dominate or they they lose some confidence and just sort of uh, plug along. So I'm with you, man. I'm really interested to see what version of Trey Young we see the second half.
1: Yeah, and we'll get our first glimpse of that. We will have gotten our first glimpse of second-half Trey on Thursday night as they were set to take on the Raptors after we recorded this episode. And, Steve, I think you just added in another element to this that I hadn't even mentioned, which was the all-star snub. So you add in second-half track record of success, all-star snub, if you want to believe in that narrative, and new head coaching voice in his ear. You have a lot of ingredients for Trey Young to potentially go off in the second half. So I think if you're in a position in a fantasy league where – you know, you you sense that you can potentially acquire him in a trade. I still think, you know, he's got that top 20 ceiling, maybe even slightly better if, you know, once he takes off, if and when he does take off. Yeah, no, I'm not going to argue with that. Fine. I came here for a fight. I didn't get one. What What's the big storyline that you are watching, Steve?
4: Mine isn't, well, it is a storyline, but it, it involves three teams and they all reside in the great state of Texas. Um, the Texas NBA... Western Conference thing that's happening is is pretty wild. I mean, you've got the Houston Rockets sitting at 11 and 23. Expectations were high coming in with James Harden and Christian Wood. Harden pouted and played his way out of Houston. Christian Wood got hurt. His Monther ankle sprain has been just that and maybe a little bit more. We haven't seen him forever. He, he didn't play on Thursday, but he's at least running and doing basketball activities. So he should be coming back soon. Houston, it'll be interesting to see if they just pack it in and give up on the season or with John Wall and Christian Wood and Eric Gordon all presumably healthy, can they make a run? They're 15 games out of first, and you you only got to get to 10th place to get into the play-in tournament, right? So uh, the Warriors are eight-and-a-half back there, so seven games, seven-and-a-half games for the – For the Rockets to make up over the second half of the season, I don't think it's unheard of. But I am excited about seeing Christian Wood play basketball again. Then the other Texas teams you got, the Spurs, who just shut down LaMarcus Aldridge. He won't play another game for the Spurs. They lost to the Mavericks on Wednesday. They are essentially tied with Dallas for the seventh and eighth seed in the West. So the Mavericks have won Four straight games. They've won 11 of their last 14. They've sort of righted the ship, figured this thing out a little bit, whereas I feel like the Spurs might be headed in the other direction. You got Memphis coming. You got Golden State coming. You got the Pelicans and Oklahoma City Thunder. They're going to have a tough time getting up into that mix. But I'm excited to see if Dallas can dig – because I really thought Dallas was going to be like a four, or five, or six seed coming in this season. They just didn't play very well. And maybe it's just because I'm such a homer that I thought that. But I want to see if Dallas goes up, the Spurs go down, and if Houston either goes for it or just plays for ping-pong balls.
1: Well, in a dramatic turn of events, look who is here. Mid-recording, as we expected, Ryan Kanaus is here. What an entrance. Ryan, we were just talking about storylines we're watching for in the second half. I... Talked a little Trey Young, potentially taking off, leveling up his performance. Steve talked about every basketball player who resides in the state of Texas this season and his expectations for them. It was an incredibly efficient few minutes. Do you have a storyline that you are watching for in the second half? as you join us hello ryan
5: sure well i'll i'll answer steve's final question the rockets will be playing for lottery ping pong balls they will <laughs> i don't know what going for it would look like with that roster but it's not going to get them into playoff contention even with the, the plan but sticking in houston what do you got did you talk about kevin porter jr at all nope hey oh, congrats yeah.
4: on having your microphone turned on ryan that's the first time you've done that on the first try all year i think
5: Thank you. I managed to show up halfway through the podcast, but my micro <laughs> my, my microphone my microphone is is on. Um, it's impressive. So Ke- Kevin Kevin Porter Jr. Are you guys interested in him? He's already been picked up in twenty seven percent of Yahoo leagues. Even though, as I mm-hmm. say this, he has not played a minute. Uh, there is obviously intriguing upside there. The Rockets recalled him from the G League, and they expect him to operate as a point guard for the second unit, so you got to figure he'll have plenty of opportunities, uh, ostensibly their sixth man. Are you buying in, or are you too worried b- about his character issues, the inefficiency potentially? What, uh, Where are you at on KPJ?
4: I'm not worried about his character issues at all. And like you said, Houston, where are they going to go with that roster? You know, it depends. If, if Christian Wood comes back right away, and John Wall and Eric Gordon can stay healthy, and maybe they throw KPJ out there, and they win four or five games in a row. Who knows uh, what could happen with Houston? Uh, Matt, my refrigerator just kicked on. I don't know if you heard that or not, but uh, I know you're probably – There's steam coming out of your ears right now. I can <laughs> I can see that on the video monitor. But um, I wrote about KPJ recently. I did a video about KPJ. I am very intrigued to see what he does.
5: Okay. I, Matt, I, I am too – I just, I'm a little bit concerned, I mean, in the G League, he averaged 24 points, two and a half threes, six and a half boards, seven assists, one and a half steals, and almost five turnovers. So obviously the Kevin Porter Jr. as full-time point guard role will be, you know, a learning curve, and that's going to come with a lot of turnovers and potentially damaging percentages. He's not great at the free throw line. Uh, And even uh, coach Steven Silas said the game isn't going to come as easy for him as it came in the G League, obviously. And I think best case, so if you think the Rockets potentially could go for it to make playoff contention, does that make you less inclined to go for Kevin Porter Jr.? Because he's kind of a tank type, just unleash him guy. Or or are you fine with him either way, Steve?
4: I'm fine with him either way, because like you said, I don't know what Houston is going to do. That's one of my, that's the point. I doubt they're going to be good enough to make a legitimate run at the playoffs, But I don't think it's completely out of the question if Christian Wood comes back on a mission and John John Wall can play well and stay healthy. I I just think it's possible. I'm not going to let what the Rockets may or may not do scare me away from KPJ because either way, the odds are they're playing for ping pong balls. And the odds are they're going to see what they have in Kevin Porter Jr. and let him play.
1: Some breaking news from Steven Silas that the G League is not as difficult as the NBA to thrive in that's the headline right there of this whole conversation i think (laughs)
5: that's that's why that's why you hire him pay him those big bucks for those sort of strategic insights you know (laughs) i'll say
1: kevin porter jr per 36 minutes as a 19 year old rookie averaged around 15 and a half points five boards three and a half assists 1.4 steals 1.6 threes so yeah i'm interested um he showed the potential to be more than just a points and threes guy at the NBA level. Now, do we expect him to get 36 minutes in Houston? No, but given how things have gone for that team and what the second half, you know, the latter stretch of that team of the season could look like for that team with probable shutdowns, potential shutdowns, you could see Kevin Porter Jr. being one of the main guys there. I mean, there's easily a scenario where when we get to like April or, you know, a month or two from now, he's like, one of the two top options on that roster if there are like shutdowns as we think there could be
5: and or i mean victor oladipo could easily be traded in the coming weeks so take him out of the equation that's another high usage guy who needs a ball in his hands quite a bit so i'm with you and this is heartening i'm glad that you guys are both on board i'm gonna go bump up that 27 percent roster rate quite a bit uh, by adding him in all of my leagues although don't bother trying to get him in the in the last ever Roto World League because our boss, ah. Ed Williams, just just took him moments ago. Man, busy morning for Ed.
1: He's the transaction's been flying. Ryan, it's been brief, but I would say <laughs> I'd say great. Um, you're out of here. Thanks for stopping by. Steve, you're gonna stick around as we get ready to talk. March Madness coming up in just a second, Ryan. Have a wonderful rest of your day and uh and days ahead.
5: Thank you. You too, Matt. And Steve.
2: <laughs>
1: You will not want to miss NBC Sports Edge's first ever March Madness preview show, Brackets and Bets, hosted by Sarah Perlman with Von Dalzell, Corey Parson, and Andrew Dinsick, breaking down each region, their best bets, top Cinderella candidates, futures, and much more. Tune into NBC Sports' YouTube channel Monday at noon to check it out and go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash that will take you to the YouTube page for the event where you can set up a reminder to let you know when it goes live. And speaking of March Madness right now, Von Dalzell and Corey Parson are here. Steve Alexander has stuck around. Well, March Madness is almost upon us. Are we ready? Because I do not feel ready, and I'm hoping to feel ready after we're done talking here, guys.
6: Well, well I'm certainly already in the mix and ready because I've been betting almost every game that's been on tap so far. So March Madness has come very quickly for me. I don't know how about you guys, feel.
0: You know, I'll be honest with you, man. It's interesting that you mentioned that. I feel like a lot of people are not ready for March Madness this year, obviously, with the college basketball season, with the ups and downs and cancellations and teams dropping out and deciding not to play and stuff like that. But listen, I'm starting to get into the groove myself as March Madness is tournament time. I do think over the course of the next week or so, we're going to start to see the hype build up and people get more excited for it. Kind of a different format this year but when the games are being played and we're all in one location. And of course, there was no NCAA tournament last year. Obviously, last year, this time is when the world kind of came to an end. So, yes, nobody's into it right now. But a week from now, I think everybody will be into it and ready to go. So I'm definitely looking forward to the madness. And thanks for having me on. Dr. A, what's up, my man?
4: What's going on, man? The uh, the entire tournament's being played in my former and home state of Indiana. So that's, uh, that's very interesting. They've got the hotel there downtown already has the brackets up, like covering the entire outside of the building. I don't, I don't know if you guys have seen that picture. It's pretty cool.
0: No, I haven't seen it. But what I do find interesting about this, like how many different venues are they going to be using? Or is it going to be kind of like a AAU-style tournament where, you know what I'm saying, you got, a, a, you got some guys playing over here, then you got some guys playing over here, and then you got some guys playing over here? Because I think that'd be interesting. So what I'm seeing in kind of like a post-COVID world is, especially when you look at the NBA bubble last year and when you look at situations going over March Madness this year, it's kind of like... If you are a player that can kind of play that AAU style of basketball or a team that can kind of play that AAU style of basketball, I think that you can have some success.
4: Well, all these D1 players are AAU. You know, they came from the <laughs> AAU, so they should be used to that. It's it's not really going to be a bubble like we saw in Orlando with the NBA, NBA last year, but it's all going to be. Uh, right there, and you know they they say in Indiana that the high school gyms are are big and bigger than some of the college gyms and, and whatnot. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how this how this goes down.
6: I'm definitely excited for that. I've been down to the NCA headquarters multiple times when I used to work in the NCA, and they have amazing facilities down there. And I definitely trust everyone that's working in March Madness. And it's interesting because I know we probably covered the news that came out about Duke and everything with them being on the ACC tournament and, you know, a team like that, if this was a couple of days later, everything Corey just said about a bubble and them being in one location could have just been taken away. And we could have been looking at a very similar situation as last year at the very end of the season here, which would have been terrible. So um, definitely interested to see how the next week goes getting into just March madness. All
1: right. Well, let's dive into it a little bit. Let's try to get ourselves ready. Let's try to get the listeners ready. Let's hit some of the big points here. So let's start with this Vaughn who as of now as we tape this on Thursday the 11th who are we looking at as the likely number one seeds in this tournament?
6: Well I think in everybody's book 100% Gonzaga and Baylor and there's no question about that and I feel like 90% or more of the people in the general public believe that Michigan and Illinois are going to be the number one seeds and as of right now I have to agree with that I'm not much of a fan all the time of multiple teams being in number one seeds when we entering March Madness in the same conference but at this point in the season, it's hard to argue with either of these two teams. Michigan has been pretty complete all season long. Illinois has been streaking the past couple weeks, and they look, I mean, near unbeatable right now. It looks like it would take Gonzaga or Baylor to get them. But outside of those teams, it's going to be Houston. Uh, they win their conference, and they do it easily. I think they have a shot. It takes Illinois or Michigan to get knocked off early. And then I also look at Alabama, who, if you – content in the sec and you win the conference i mean you're automatically up for a one two or three seed right there and they've been a complete team all year long with herb jones and company
0: Yeah, you know what? I'm going to agree with Vaughn. Listen, I hate to be on the chalk, but it seems like the chalk is the play when you look at some of the teams that are going to be occupying that top line after Selection Sunday. Obviously, Gonzaga, Mark, bunch. Listen, I think it's kind of their time coming up this year. We've seen what they've done so far this season going undefeated. And you look at the Baylor Bears, a team that I thought would have made a pretty deep run last year, obviously, or just that one loss on the year uh, in Kansas. And then, listen... Vaughn nailed it with Illinois. They are streaking right now. They're a very hot team. And one thing about the NCAA tournament, you take a hot team like that and you put them in and they kind of get that continuity and they get rolling like that, they could actually be somebody that kind of maybe upset that final two that everybody thinks is going to be between the Baylor Bears and the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And then Jawan Hotwood's bunch in Michigan, they've done a great job this year also. So you do get two of the teams out of the Big Ten, but the Big Ten has kind of been a superior conference this year. So I think there's nothing really left to be said as far as the number one seeds go. So maybe that's one of the reasons why there's kind of been less excitement. At least it seems like it has been less excitement around the tournament to this point. But I think as we get into the conference weekend this weekend, especially if we see an upset, which I doubt with these four teams, it could get more interesting. But listen, the chalk is not the entertaining thing to say. I wish I had a hot take, you know what I'm saying? But no hot takes here. Those are the four best teams in college basketball right there.
4: Well, I'm I'm looking for a hot take, like looking down at like the middle of the standings, even the lo- lower end, like Purdue's, the Texas Tech's, Creighton, uh, maybe even Texas. Like, is there a team that's not even close to being a, a, you know, a number two seed that you think is better than their record? And that is like super Cinderella sleeper that that we need to be thinking about when we're filling out our brackets.
6: That's another great question. As far as, you know, Creighton is a team right now in the Big East. It's kind of open because Villanova suffered a couple of injuries. So then you kind of start looking around. But uh, one team, I actually, I, I like that question because three weeks ago, I was thinking of the same thing, trying to get one early. And I got UConn when James Booknight came back. And they have been looking really, really good. And I think that they can win the Big East right now with Villanova out. Uh, well, not out, but basically down a couple of players. And you got Creighton too, like you said. but. That's that's one of my teams right now. Um, I look at some athletic bigs like USC. They can slow the game down. They struggle to score though, so I don't know how far they can go. But like you said, the Purdue's, Wisconsin's, those type of teams. I'm not going to look at them quite yet. The Big 12 is, I think, the best bet for a middle of a pack team to kind of make a push to be a Cinderella team, in my opinion.
0: I'm looking at really listen, and and Vaughn made an excellent point about what UConn is doing right now. I think they should come out to Big East with that with that injury that Villanova suffered, so maybe a little bit more difficult for them, and they can probably get themselves to a better line, especially if they end up the Big East champions. Listen, UConn as a team that just been over the past couple of years just been rolling along, rolling along, rolling along, and now we've kind of seen them start to put it together a little bit. I think it's a couple more teams out there like that as well. But mm-hmm. listen, for all the college football heads out there, you know, I kind of tease them when I say the best coach in Florida State history is Lennon Hamilton. And they say, oh, no, it's Bobby Bowden. It's Bobby Bowden. And I'm like, yeah, I get Bobby Bowden does have that championship success from way back in the days. But you look at what Lennon Hamilton has done, putting players in the NBA, having this team play deep to the tournament every year. And one thing I like about Lennon Hamilton teams around the middle of February is when they start to get hot. You know, it's kind of like the Bill Parcells teams back in the day. He builds those teams for tournament runs Offense could be a problem in Florida State at a time, but you look at it, uh, when there's five of their last seven games, including blowing out the University of Virginia, which is like the last NCAA champion that I remember. So I'm looking at this Florida State team. I think it's a team that could have a shot Um, if they get hot. And obviously they're very well coached. And listen, I know Vaughn, you probably would agree with this. Coaching is a very big part of how you oh, yeah. be successful in March Madness.
6: Yeah. I have another quick one to sneak in there too. If uh, no one has watched this team as of late, but VCU, um, They're always a tournament team. They've been in at the eight of the last nine years, and they got Nashawn Bones Highland back, and he is a straight animal. Uh, he looked amazing in the first game. They won the two, two opening rounds of the tournament. Their game got pushed back. But if they win, they got an automatic bid. If they lose, I still think they're in there, uh, maybe that 10 or 11, 12 seed range. But look out for them, man. VCU always finds a way to win a game or two, and I could see them getting the sweet 16 and then getting booted right after that.
1: Well, I see Dr. A has been busy writing down all these sleeper teams that (laughs) you just mentioned. Like when people sit down to fill out their brackets, what are some of the teams, Vaughn, that people are going to be most surprised to not see? You know, any any notable teams that are out or in at this point? Surprising teams they'll see in there or surprising teams they'll be looking for in their brackets and say, well, wait a second.
6: Well, there's a couple. Um, One team that's been up and down on me lately is Michigan State. Uh, They're such a hard team to grasp, but after they beat Michigan, they were plus 200 around that on most books but to make the NCAA tournament before the Michigan victory. Then after that, they went to minus 1,000. And, uh, and then you still see them and you're not very impressed in the Maryland's, those type of teams. So I look at kind of the seedings and where some of these teams will be seated, and that'll determine whether or not I fade or go with them. Uh, Michigan state, Wisconsin, Wisconsin went three and seven in their last 10 games. Andy Katz and a lot of other people still have them around seven or eight seeds. Uh, that's, I mean, that's really high for me. That's one team I would fade. Another team that uh, Clemson went into the end of the season very hot, then they lost against Miami with their early exit. Where are they going to be seated? That's a team that you could probably still take because they're defensively very sound. But one team uh, that I will say I was very excited, I hope they would got in, was the Bryant Bulldogs. If you guys don't know anything about them, they were 3-28 and 28 in 2018. Last year they were 15-7, and seven, this year 15-6. and six. Second most points per game on the road this season behind is Gonzaga. And I was so interested to see this team in March Madness. But they got bumped on Mount St. Mary's. I'm not sure if they're going to get in or not. But if they do, uh, I mean, that's, that's another one of those little sneaky teams. Like I said, they can score, but they have no size. So uh, March Madness is going to be very interesting this year, just with the seedings alone, in my opinion.
1: I'm sorry. I thought you said 3-28 and 28 there, but maybe I heard you wrong. <laughs> no, 3-28 in
6: 2018. They were terrible. I grew up in PA. I knew about Bryant. They were terrible, and they got a new coach, and they've been doing a lot better. But like, it's fifteen and six this year. I mean, if that's probably not good enough to get into March Madness and the tournament they the conference they play in. But uh, I mean, like I said, second most points on the road behind Gonzaga on the season. That's a pretty cool tournament stat. So I was hoping they'd get in.
0: Interesting going to DC the NCAA tournament more than likely without the blue uh, the Duke Blue Devils this season. You know, obviously they're going through their issues now with the COVID situation. But you know, I'll be honest with you earlier in the season when Coach K was like, Oh, they're not gonna play. I'm like, Well, if you had Cam Reddish and Zion Williamson, you know what I'm saying, you'd figure out a way to get it done. But without that, without that kind of without that kind of artillery this year, uh, definitely a down year for the Duke Blue Devils. But um Loyola Chicago is another team. Listen, they're probably definitely going to be in the tournament and they're a team that I could see making a run. We've seen them do that at times in the past, I mentioned Florida state, but, um, you know, here's the thing with the bracket filling out this year, obviously we cover it from a ATS against the spread angle and out, you know, trying to make a couple dollars and, you know, you know, do well for our listeners and subscribers and stuff like that. Don't forget to hop on over there and sign up for those edge tools. Cause they'll definitely help you with your percentages and making those bets during the tournament. But when it comes to like the regular bracket office pool, I think you got your big four in Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and Michigan, and the restroom kind of just pull a name out of hat because you don't know where, where, where it can go on any different um, thing. And, Vaughn, I want to ask you about this team right here. Houston. Houston is a team that seems like it's been knocking on the door for the past couple seasons. I thought um, a couple years ago, I thought they had a decent shot. I remember, I remember backing them. Um, I think it was, was it the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16. I remember backing them. Took an L on that one. They don't really play the toughest in-conference schedule, but if they get hot, they can really light up the Nets.
6: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I got them at plus 850 and plus 700 less than a week ago to be the number one seed. And uh, they're five hundred 400, 500 and less on all net on all sports books. Now. So I'm with you on that one. I'm super excited to see what happens with them, but I did bet with Memphis the other day, uh, plus mm-hmm. the nine and they covered they in Houston won on that buzzer beater. But overall the Cougars off, off offensively efficiency, defensively efficiency, they are top in the, they're some of the best in the country top in the conference Um, I mean, they do pretty much everything well. I do think this is probably their season to make a run because it is that weird March Madness season, you know. But if it's not this season, I won't have much faith in the Cougars after that because they have ran uh, the conference this year for the most part.
4: You know, I grew up in Indiana, and historically, Indiana, Louisville, Kentucky, Butler, all those teams were always somewhere in the mix and always a threat, especially Kentucky and Indiana. Back a, a while ago but now you know they're not even getting votes to make the top 25 like what is going on where where have all these teams I grew up with gone
6: it's getting interesting with recruiting because Kentucky obviously still gets the top still get some of the best recruits and top recruits but they're just not the same type of recruits and you see the guys that Duke get and they've been just far more superior I'd have to say and even some of the North Carolina guys too it's I don't know exactly where it's going wrong in Kentucky and I don't think there's necessarily anything that's going wrong because they're still going to make the tournament this year and they're still, you know, a pretty good team and everything. But yeah, I don't know. It's getting interesting with his recruiting because you see a lot of guys and especially just speaking from, uh, oh, I just drew a blank on his name. Uh, Mikey is, I forget his last name. It might be Mikey Jones or Mikey Williams. It's Mikey Williams, excuse me. But him and a lot of these younger guys that are coming up out of high school. Now are all talking about um, going to different schools like HBCUs, for example, and just, go, just switching it up. And I think that's going to change a lot in the next couple of years, how teams get recruited and teams get players. And I think that these major programs won't get as many anymore. But yeah, that's And just
0: also the G League, too. Um, the G League, that obviously, with that, with that Ignite team, you know them, them coming up with that idea is giving the kids a chance to go and make a couple of dollars and still play high-level basketball. I think that really is something that kind of hurt the situation that's going on in Kentucky. Louisville actually has a very good kid from out here. I can't think his name skips my mind right now. Mount here in Long Island that, that plays well. But um, listen, I think it's just kind of the ebbs and flows. But when you look at the teams at the top, you know, Gonzaga is a team that has been there, has been knocking on the door, deep tournament runs in each of the last five years. And you look at a team like Baylor, also another team. So, you know, I think we get so much wrapped up into the NBA aspect of it and having this big three and having these, you know, these super, these super prospects. But really, I think starting to place the value on building a team kind of like Quinn Snyder in the Utah Jazz. You know, sometimes I think just that team and that team coming together and playing together for a few seasons, I think it can be kind of tough and, you know, to, to discredit those teams. Listen, we all want to see the Zions and the high-flying kids that are only there for one season. But, you know, when different opportunities present themselves for a lot of these young men, they take it and then you kind of see what happened this year. But I think those programs will be back, you know what I mean? But um, I think that plays a role into, you know, why you don't really see you know, some of those big name schools and some of these big name players, because, you know, for the most part, a lot of people right now, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, majority of us here do um, know who the number one pick in the, in the NBA draft is going to be this summer. You know what I mean? So listen, Cade Cunningham is going to be that guy. He's balling. But outside of that, we don't really hear that big hype. It's not like the draft class of twenty nineteen.
6: Do you guys go to a Kentucky, Indiana or any of like any school like that? Or would you go to the G League and take the payout and start your career?
1: Yeah, or take the Darius Baisley $1 million New Balance internship. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how about everyone's that? looking
6: it's for out as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just seems like the G League really is becoming so much more of a viable alternative and, and just viable in general for like, I mean, just in terms of pro players, it used to be that if you were in the G League for one minute, it's like, well, that guy's not going to make it in the NBA. Now it's like, legitimately becoming like the minor leagues for baseball where like that's just where you develop players and real players come out of the g league so i yeah
0: look at seth curry you know what i'm saying a guy that bounced around in the g league a lot and now he could potentially this season be a big piece for the philadelphia 76ers going down the stretch not to change it to the nba you know what i mean but no that that listen if me myself as a 17 year old fantasy executive if i had a chance to go play for the university of north carolina I would have been down there, you know what I'm saying, because that that was a rooting favorite, a rooting interest of mine growing up. See, I come from a different era of, of college basketball. I come from an era of college basketball where the Big East meant everything. When we came home on Monday nights and we watched Big East basketball, and obviously the duels with the ACC and stuff like that. So, a lot of these kids nowadays? They really don't have that in them. They kind of know Kentucky. They kind of know Louisville, but they don't, you know, they don't know who Bobby Knight is and stuff like that. So, I'm not knocking them for that. You know what I'm saying, but. It's just a different time right now. So, yeah, my preference would have been a university in North Carolina or, you know, or maybe, a, you know, one of those big uh, schools like that. It wouldn't have been St. John's. And speaking of St. John's, bro, what is up with St. John's? <laughs> Why has basketball stunk in New York City for two decades?
6: I'm glad you brought them up, too. I literally yesterday got them a plus 1750 to win the Big East because I was playing on hedging that if they don't or if they make the title. And it's already down to like twelve hundred or a thousand on most. Um, I'm pumped about them. They're looking good, especially they're getting Posh Alexander back. I mean, yep. big fan of him, right?
4: Is Chris Mullen still playing for them?
0: No, he he retired. Uh, he coaches the <laughs> Warriors now. <laughs> 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 Remember Chris Mullen coached him for a little bit. I went to the game. I saw Chris Mullen uh, coaching St. John's. He had on sneakers on the bench, so I, I can imagine – his feet, it, but the, it wasn't like no cool sneakers, like it wasn't no Jordans or no Airs. It looked like some orthopedic shoes. And I was like, wow. Like
3: feet, white New Balance?
0: His, yeah, his feet must be pretty beat up from no shares in the NBA. All
3: right, guys,
1: before we get out of here, one last question I want to ask you. And I'm going to kind of make this a little bit of a two-parter. First and main thing here, favorite bets to win it all. Favorite, favorite bets to win it all. And as a second part of that, we talked about the number one seeds. They all sound, the potential number one seeds, all sound like teams without a lot of weaknesses right now. Do any of those teams scare you more than the others? So, Vaughn, I'll hit you with that two-parter first.
6: So, I do think it's a two-man race between Baylor and Gonzaga to be that boring guy. But I have one with Baylor already. I grabbed them twice at 350 and 450. I like I like them because they play in the better conference. I think they're the better defensive team and they already got that one loss out the way that COVID stretch kind of hit them hard and they came about, they came through that after that very strong. So I like Baylor to win it all. I think that Gonzaga is a safe ticket as well, though. You can't go wrong with either. Um, As far as the number one seeds, uh, it's tough because I think the two big 10 teams, like I said, are definitely one of the two that are going to go down earlier than the others. I would go with Illinois before Michigan, in my opinion, but uh, I look at a couple other teams that are going to be like two or three seeds that can go down early, and Corey kind of hit on them earlier. Um, I want Houston to be the one seed and I don't care about what happens after that because I think that they're going to probably lose. Um, earlier earlier than Setdown, I don't think they're making the Elite Eight or any run like that. Um, Houston just doesn't have the size or athleticism down low. We saw Memphis kind of expose that, and now teams are going to go after that if they can. And then Alabama, another team that's very deep. Um, they've done well, but they've also – Got a couple of teams that snuck up on them and they've owned them in competition. So, you know, if Alabama falls behind by 12 points early, are they going to be able to dig out of that hole? I don't know. Uh, They've done it a couple of times, but I'm not too confident in March, a team that hasn't played together in March yet. So I go with uh, those two teams I probably look at that might be early exits, but strong, strong consideration for one or two seats.
1: And quickly, just jumping in to clarify, were you saying Illinois or Michigan is the team you expect more likely to be knocked out early?
6: I think Illinois is going to be knocked out earlier. Um, just they've been streaking so much lately. I feel like their luck's going to run out before Michigan's does. And I think Michigan right now just isn't, it's hard to say an overall better team, but on the whole season, I think Michigan has been the overall better team. Like Corey kind of hit on Juwan Howard. I love what he's done with the program right now. And some guys that aren't the top of the, aren't those top recruits, but they're getting it done season in and season out in Michigan.
0: Yeah, it's like with you know with with Howard, you know, it may like be the top recruits as Vaughn said, but you bring them in there and you coach them up, kind of like what Gary Williams did with those Maryland teams back in the day. Um, but as far as this year's final, Four, I mean, NCAA tournament, and, and listen, I hate to be the, the chalk guy, but in my opinion, it's the Gonzaga Invitational. You know, undefeated on the season, I think they're a very good basketball team, and Mark Few has just been building this and building this and building this, and you get to a point where you feel like you know what, it's their time. Um, I think Baylor's time was last season. Unfortunately, they got taken away from them. Uh, this year, I think it's Gonzaga's time. If I look at a potential upset knocking one of these teams off, I can see it being Illinois. But let's not forget about Iowa because what Iowa has is Luka Garza. And Luka Garza gave uh, the Gonzaga Bulldogs 30-10 and 10 in a loss He's the type of player that if he can get hot, he can take over, and he can take over this whole tournament. So I think Iowa is a team that I would not be, you know, you know sleeping too hard on as we move through the month of um, April. Well, right, Mark, you can watch April. Yeah, it's because they call it March Madness.
1: I don't even know what month it is in general, so it doesn't really matter, actually.
0: Hey, Doctor, hey, Mark, I'm in Fantasy uh, Basketball League. I'm in, I'm in ninth place out of 12 teams, and um, it's, it's, it's pretty trying right now. I mean, Kyrie Irving plays when he wants to. Uh Damian Lillard hasn't really gotten warmed up yet. Brandon Ingram has slowed down. And think about it is Adam Ronis is in this league. And, you know, anytime you get an Adam Ronas league, it's like a Ponzi scheme. Who's on the waiver wire? Is it Jay Sean Tate? Who was on the waiver wire that can help this team?
4: Uh well, the guy we were talking about before you came on, maybe Kevin Porter Jr. Okay. Uh Houston called him up. Houston has lost a million games in a row. They're kind of out of the playoff hunt. They may just. Let him play and see what happens. He was tearing up the G League, at like twenty-four points a game. That, that's a guy that might be able to give your give your team a boost. Although the guys you mentioned are pretty good players, you must must be the end of your bench that's that's holding you down.
0: Uh, I guess those uh, uh, Caldwell Pope is not going to cut it. <laughs>
1: yeah you're trying to you're trying to squeeze more out of Damian Lillard I don't know if he I don't know if he has more numbers to offer you man 30 and 8's pretty Off good a
0: slow start though so once you know once you start falling behind in those categories it's like oh my goodness yeah
4: Well, Kyrie Kyrie didn't help you early no that even, was so.
0: not that was terrible that I was very upset about that but um yeah But um, yeah, listen um I think you know, I think we got you know listen between the NBA and college basketball is glad to have them back this time of year so I think it's going to be fun and definitely want everybody to check out the show coming up on Monday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, along those lines you can watch Vaughn and Corey with Sarah Perlman and Drew Dinsick on our March Madness preview show Brackets and Bats Monday noon Eastern on the NBC Sports YouTube channel and a reminder go to NBCSportsEdge.com/brackets that will take you to the YouTube page. You can set up a reminder to let you know when the event Goes live, Vaughn, Corey. Thank you guys for stopping by. Thank you for bringing me and Steve and our listeners some much-needed tournament knowledge. We are we are much closer to ready now. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a moment to rate and review us as well. We'll be back on Monday to talk waiver wire pickups. Thanks once again to Vaughn and Corey for coming by. Thanks to Steve Alexander. Thank you to Ryan Kanaus and thanks to all of you for listening. Enjoy the first weekend back after the All Star break. We will talk to you soon.
2: Dietz Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way.